and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. I'm Chris. And this week we're going to be talking about death in the Hunger Games. Well, before we get into Hunger Games, what's a death that's hit you particularly powerfully in your life? So for me, the first death I really remember was when I was 14 and one of my friends who was the exact same age as me uh, she died but the way I found out about it was really rough so I've been at this lunch thing and I overheard a conversation of people talking about one of these two sisters died and they were twins Mm. and so I just was like what like who died and I had to make sure because I didn't know which one that they were talking about mm-hmm. whether it was my friend or the the other sister who wasn't my friend and yeah it was just it was intense it's not the ideal way to find out about something like that and Mm-mm. it was yeah it was hard because yeah I was only 14 and I had had some regrets because she she had gone on vacation and we would write each other's like letters and uh, emails and I responded to her last email but I like waited kind of late so it was right before she left and Mm. she never ended up getting it so yeah I I kind of yeah it it was hard I can imagine yeah 14 Mm -hmm. too that's and then I had to tell like our other like mutual friend mm. so yeah it was it was a lot at the time for sure and my my two cousins were there at the uh also who were a lot younger than me so i just went into the bathroom and was like crying there and they mm. came in and were like all worried <laughs> yeah i can imagine yeah so that that one probably probably is yeah definitely one of the ones that hit the hardest yeah what about you um, the one that comes to mind is definitely my, my grandma. Mm-hmm. I was living with her when she fell and, and she broke her hip. And so I was one of the people who kind of found her and helped her and, and was there to call the ambulance and to kind of try to deal with that as best I can and then and then live with her for a little bit afterwards until she soon went to hospice care and then she passed. And she kind of helped raise me. I'd go over to her house while my parents were working after school when I was in elementary school for a while. And so... She definitely had a, a big imprint on my life and like I have a lot of really really amazing memories of her and it, it was always an interesting relationship because she didn't speak very good English and I didn't speak very good Spanish so mm-hmm. there are certainly like communication barriers in the way but it never stopped me from feeling loved or from feeling like I could have a relationship with her or to have yeah just a, a really strong woman to, to look up to and to, to learn from and to to just have as part of my life which was which was really yeah, which is really powerful. And so when she when she passed, I just remember kind of taking it really hard, but kind of similar to, to what you were saying about regrets. Like I, I didn't visit her in hospice and, you know, I was in school and I, I was doing stuff, but I also just kind of didn't recognize that, that you know, this was the end of, of her life in ways that I, I probably should have. And so, yeah, I, I do wish that I had seen her, honestly, even more for my own sake, because I know that she had dementia at the time she often didn't recognize me even when I, I had met her the last few times but it uh it, I think it would have been nice for my own sake to kind of see her before before she passed mm-hmm. yeah for sure well death is certainly a common theme throughout Hunger Games yeah um, 
Yeah, we decided to go with this question because we wanted to do it at some point mm-hmm. when, whenever we, we got to the topic, but we're like, well, The Hunger Games is dismal enough that it's not going to bring the whole podcast down because... It's already down. <laughs> <laughs> we're just laying the foundation for what will probably be a down podcast. But um, an interesting it's also one, so sure. good. Yeah, exactly. So. There's, there's so much meat there that yeah. this was definitely... I think a great theme for Hunger Games, although they're all pretty great for Hunger Games. But yes, for sure, obviously. So I think to start us out, why don't we have a quote? This one is towards the very end of the series, and Katniss has just recently got home after the war, after everything is done and finished, and she's just basically in her home by herself with greasy say comes in every once in a while, but that's when this quote happens. A terrible nightmare follows, where I'm lying at the bottom of a deep grave, and every dead person I know by name comes by and throws a shovel full of ashes on me. It's quite a long dream, continuing the list of people, and the deeper I'm buried, the harder it is to breathe. I try to call out, begging them to stop, but the ashes fill my mouth and nose, and I can't make any sound. Still, the shovel scrapes on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah, I think that this this quote is is so great because it it's so powerful because after having read this series, you know, it doesn't have to say it's a long dream because I've seen so many people die. It's mm-hmm. just it's a long dream considering the list and you know as a reader how long that list is mm-hmm. and how how hard that is. And I think that that helps especially for a nightmare. It helps give that that kind of haunting quality to mm-hmm. it where she is haunted by these the people that she's known who have died some by her own hands and i think that death and living past the deaths of others and the trauma and the pain that can come with that is such an important part of these this series absolutely yeah that is one of the things that i think is so good about the series and the way that susan colin writes it to drive that point home in, in ways that a lot of series just don't ever touch. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of people die and they're in wars and like different things happen or like this one person that they were really close to dies and you, you kind of see some, you see the, the effect that it has. But usually most book series, it still ends happy, mm-hmm. you know? And, and yeah, that's something that The Hunger Games does really well that... No, you don't just, some time passes and then you're okay mm-hmm. when, when you've had deaths like this. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I believe you're bringing a character that you see resonates with death a lot <laughs> in this series. You have so many to choose from. I do. Yeah, I was like, well, who do I want to go with? And I was like, well, I have to go with Katniss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you just can't not go with Katniss. Mm-hmm. So the main reason I wanted to look at her specifically is that she just experiences death in so many different ways Mm. that not all of the characters have. And so she has it where obviously you're inside her head, right? You you know what her thoughts are. Mm -hmm. So it's even more potent that way. But it just it happens to both people that she loves and people she despises and you see the effect that it has on her Mm. and all of it has an effect on her and so I was just like looking at some of the different ways that death comes into contact with her so there's people 
that she can't save. Mm-hmm. And so that would be like her father, right? Mm-hmm. And that has a huge impact on her and her family's life and ability to do anything. Mm-hmm. And then Rue, who she she wanted to protect, even though she knew that in the end, she didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. But yeah, she she still wanted to. And then you have ones that she just witnesses happen. So clove Mm. and virus and even like cinna right i mean she's not a hundred percent sure he's dead but she's pretty sure yeah and it was just as traumatizing and then she also there's like a death out of mercy right Mm. with kato as he's getting tortured all night long and even though she despised him in the end, she kills him out of mercy, not not out of hatred. Mm-hmm. And then she has guilt over people who died for her, like Finnick and that whole team, and living with that and these people that she considers herself that she killed, even yeah. though she didn't. And then obviously there's her sister mm-hmm. who she she was breaking before but that that was the last one because for her it was like failing as her whole like the whole reason she got into any of this in the first place was to protect her sister mm-hmm. and in the end she couldn't do that then obviously there's the people that she actually murders and then some are kind of like maybe you could say your defense like with marvel he's the one who killed rue but then you have, like, this random woman in the Capitol who's just, like, in her house that mm. she just shoots without giving it a second thought. And then you have, obviously, Coin, which is, like, a very specific political, like, agenda because, you know, she's realized how corrupt and, and terrible she is. And so, yeah, she just deals with all the kinds of death. Yeah, and in the end, it really breaks her. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's something that is so much a part of the narrative is, mm-hmm. a, and I think that we you know we've talked about this a lot in the past, but how mocking Jay, the third book, especially the last half, is so much about a kind of defeatist look at what it's like to be in war because mm-hmm. she's doing this thing as you mentioned, she's taking this team along that's dying one by one as she goes along and in the end the team doesn't do anything you know Mm -hmm. it's completely for naught and she kills indiscriminately and she is engaged in this death and destruction ultimately only so that she can be a witness you know Mm -hmm. she doesn't actually do action at the climax of that and i think that that's so powerful in in how war exists and how young people as soldiers have to live and have to engage in things even ones as powerful and headstrong as katniss are mm-hmm. that that death becomes such a defining feature of their experiences yeah well so what is your plot well I, I, you know, there again, very many choices <laughs> of what I could choose. And I said for this one, this is one of the, the themes that is best to go big. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm just choosing the Hunger Games, the games themselves mm. as a plot device and as, as a part of the narrative. When I first heard of the Hunger Games, I basically heard it kind of offhand, written off as kind of a Battle Royale clone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and having watched and, and read part of the battle royale film and manga 
I was like, oh, like, it probably won't be as good. You know, it's a YA book. It's like whatever it might be. But then going through Hunger Games, I see not only are they completely different in the ways that they're engaging with this. I was going to say, but then you decided to read them because you had a crush on me and you wanted to be able to talk to me about something. Not untrue, but also not the point. (laughs) And so when I did read them and I did get through them, I saw how different they are. Because in Battle Royale, literally it's just written off as like, oh, there's overpopulation. And so this is something they do to deal with that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it is still about the kind of psychological stressors that people have to deal with in this kind of situation, which I think Hunger Games does touch on. Mm-hmm. But the games in the Hunger Games take on so much more meaning and are so much more powerful than that kind of written off idea that exists in Battle Royale. Where I think they're much more compelling because, you know, we know that the games are kind of done as a, a form of punishment and a form of control after the last rebellion, right? Mm-hmm. And that uh that the people who are in these games are supposed to represent the sacrifice of the people who had died in that rebellion. Mm -hmm. But I think it's much more than that because the games aren't just about, and I I would argue aren't even primarily about the death of the children, right? I think that that is a huge factor, obviously, but it's not just about them dying because that could have been a public execution. It could have been all these other things. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about death in like the communities experiencing death but it is it is also about how these young people have to become administrators of death they have to become killers mm-hmm. and that gives them such a an intimate relationship with death that they can never just move on from you know mm-hmm. it's so dehumanizing and that kind of control i think is so much more perverse and so much more powerful than just we can kill you it's we can force you to lose your humanity, which Peter talks a little bit about, mm-hmm. you know, and why, why he wants to stand up against them. But I just think that the games themselves are not only do you see the, the sometimes horrific death that exists there and how that death is so real to the characters who are and, and to the people who are engaged in those who are who are participants and tributes themselves. But then on the other side, how it's commodified and turned into entertainment for the capital mm-hmm. and how that in of itself is also a way of control as we've talked about in the past and so i just think that the the views of on death and the the way that the that death is used by the capital as a tool not just within killing but in control i think is really really interesting and i th- i think also that the death in the Hunger Games is used as a way to ensure that there is no camaraderie between districts, mm-hmm. right? That each district learns to hate the other district's children. It's not even just like, oh, well, at the end of the day, people would try to protect children. No, that's not the case, mm-hmm. right? Here, it's that you despise those kids because they're killing your kids mm. and and then it unites the people with resources to not engage in any of it because mm. yeah it's their entertainment so yeah it's there's a lot it has a lot of functions and and i mean also it just has this kind of side function of keeping 
people oppressed because people don't want to put their name in or to to get like the extra grain right Mm. so they'll live on the bare minimum they can get by on so that their kid doesn't have to have a higher chance of going in the games and so it's just like no one can get anywhere you know Mm. so yeah yeah it's evil yes absolutely (laughs) so much evil yes well do you have a compelling question about death in the hunger games i do so what do you think about only seven victors surviving by the end of the book like what are your thoughts Hmm. on that interesting like why do i think it's so low or anything interesting what are your thoughts well i i do remember that they mention how some victors do collaborate with the capital. They're kind of in privileged relationship with the capital because of that. And, and so many of them, especially from the career uh, districts, have supported the capital and thus are killed in those battles, you know, and as I'm sure the other ones are too. Um, I'm sure also the capital took as many as they could and ensure that they wouldn't be able to be used as propaganda pieces, you know. They use them as as means of helping to control or dissuade districts from rebelling by saying, we have these nearest you have to celebrities or, or kind of communal identity kind of figures that we can control and ultimately kill as a retribution for your rebellion or whatever it might be. It definitely seems like a very low number. Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine that that has to do in part with the fact that yeah, both sides wouldn't want to to keep them around as potential liabilities, mm-hmm. which is why the only ones who are still around are the ones who either have the clout themselves or who Katniss protected visibly and publicly. Or the ones that were still in 13. Right. right? Yeah. Well, who but never I, I mean, went into battle. But many of them were either themselves had clout because they were engaged like Hamish or Beatty mm-hmm. or Finnick and... Um, Angie? Annie. Annie. And Angie, who are protected. Annie. Annie, That's what I said. You just (laughs) said Angie. (laughs) Finnick and Annie, who were protected by Katniss, right? She ensured that Annie and Peta in particular would not be persecuted, would not be tried for for being prisoners, essentially, and Mm. being used against the 13. But she didn't do that for, for anyone else. It's just, I think, an interesting... Yeah, an interesting thing. What were, what were your thoughts there? Yeah, so my thoughts were, I mean, I know that they me- mentioned, like you were talking about in the book, that it was kind of like neither side trusted the victors, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, oh, well, obviously victors can be this rallying force, mm-hmm. which the capital doesn't want. And then certain ones, it's like, oh, you're in the capital's pocket, so we can't trust you either. And so it, they're the least trusted. Mm-hmm. So it makes a lot of sense to me. At first, when I had heard, like, there was only seven, I was like, how are there only seven? Mm -hmm. First of all, I would assume that victors in general would have a lower life expectancy than other people. Mm -hmm. Like, granted, they have more resources than most of the people, but they have a much higher rate of, like, substance abuse and things like that. So I don't think that there is hundreds of them to choose from. Mm -hmm. But still, seven is a really low number. But to me, I like that she put that in 
because in some ways it's like it's just so tragic these people who had undergone so much trauma and who hoped they were finally out of this and you don't even know which side they would have been on you know Mm. probably a lot of them would have been on the side against the capital Mm -hmm. because as we've seen with a lot of the victors like you start with the first book thinking oh once you get out of this like you get out of it yeah but then seeing how the capital still manipulated and controlled and tortured and you know all of these things for their victors so it's just so sad that they would just be killed they would just be slaughtered because people couldn't trust them these people who were exploited in like such terrible brutal ways in the end it's better that they're dead than you see where they fall i like that it's in there because i think that 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 is how it would be in the end the victors really could never trust anyone Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so a, sad. I was like, and that's a pocket full of rainbows <laughs> for you. <laughs> but what is your compelling question that's maybe not so dark? I mean, maybe. <laughs> My question is is, is kind of less narrative and more personal. Mm-hmm. Um, which death hit you the hardest in the series? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think the death that's hit me the hardest in any series, book or movie is Finnick O'Dares because it's just no I can't deal with it (laughs) like first of all I was not prepared for it okay this is the terrible thing that happened to me I I probably shouldn't phrase it that way like when we're talking about like real legit Mm. terrible things but I was reading the book and then I had to like go somewhere or whatnot and so I just stopped like in the middle of a chapter and it happened to be literally a couple paragraphs before he dies oh no and so then i just like come back later that day i didn't exactly remember everything that was happening but like i wasn't in the moment of like okay they're getting chased by these mutts like they're gaining on them people are probably gonna die and like you're in that moment so i just like open the book like find where i was reading i start reading and i was just like wait what just happened? Like, I was legitimately confused for a few seconds. And I was like, wait, now how did this happen? Did I miss something? Yeah, it was, it was rough. (laughs) And I mean, it would have been rough anyway, because Finnick is one of my favorite characters. Mm. And I think, I think one of the reasons that it is so heartbreaking for me is because, yeah, this beautiful person, not, I mean, like, yes, physically, like, you know, that's a part of his character, but just who he was. And he was just so exploited Mm -hmm. for so long, and he was never allowed to be happy until just such a brief stint of time, Mm -hmm. and then died. And, And that was it. So yeah, it was just so sad. I, I don't usually cry with books or movies and stuff that's just not a big thing for me but that one it wasn't even then because I was like kind of in shock in the book Mm -hmm. but it was I think when I woke up in the morning after I went to sleep I was just like crying (laughs) and 
I did not read that book again for uh, several years, and then I read the book again, and then I cried again, and it was only up to the third time I read that book <laughs> that I did not cry. <laughs> you just teared a little, up, up a little bit. I don't even remember. <laughs> but, yeah, that was, ugh, it's, it's just so sad. Yeah, that's the thing with, with Phoenix Death, is that the first time I read it, it really, like turned me off to the Mockingjay as a book because I felt like there was no lead up. You know, even as someone who read through that chapter, like it didn't have the kind of halting start that you did. Mm -hmm. I still felt like not only was I taken out because like they're being like chased by these mutts, these lizard people things (laughs) that like, for me, it's just like not as interesting as the other dangers and the things that they're they're dealing with. Like it's it's so far out there into the sci-fi aspects that it kind of breaks it a little bit for me. And like and again, I haven't seen this movie, but like so I don't know how well they do that. But like when I'm looking at it in my imagination, like it's just so kind of wild and almost cartoony that it it doesn't seem as as like real as a lot of the rest of the books do. Which are so much more gritty, you know, than that kind of wild sci-fi or, or or fantasy. And so, yeah, it was a death that I was just like, but, and like, there was no epitaph, there was no time to deal with it. And it really took me out of the book and it really kind of made me feel like this was a mistake or this wasn't done well or she was clearly rushed to finish the series or whatever it might be. Maybe those are true, but I can also see it now on a reread and, and kind of looking at it through these thorn thematic lenses as like, oh no, this is an example of how death really happens, especially in mm-hmm. war. That not everyone gets a last speech, not everyone gets an epitaph, not everyone sees this coming and gets a great moment beforehand, you know, or, or does this in such a heroic way. Sometimes people just die. And that doesn't have to be only the characters who aren't as important, you know, mm-hmm. or who who don't quote unquote you know deserve a happy ending the way that you'd think mm-hmm. Finnick does and that is powerful it's painful mm-hmm. but powerful yeah sometimes it all it came down to was what order you were on a ladder yeah and i thought it was really interesting too that like he is yeah he's known throughout the entire panem as this beautiful this beautiful person like this beautiful body mm-hmm. and that's what he was like that's how he won the games partially and that's what he was exploited for after mm-hmm. and his end is being torn apart and like partial decapitation and like being blown up yeah it's just it's very striking yeah, yeah absolutely so was, was his yours as well or was it a different one? Mine is probably Rue. Um, mm. Because as much as I can like more intellectually and thematically see the the powerful resonance of his death and, and how that hits you in the ideas of war, I'm also a sucker for like actually scaffolding emotional moments and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and like that's the point of Rue's death is mm-hmm. that it is so emotional for all the people of Pan Am, you know? And that's why her doing that is so striking to those characters, you know, because it goes along in that way that for sure is, is powerful for me. So Rue is definitely, I think, up there. I think that Prims is, is almost kind of the same as, as Phoenix for me, where typically losing a younger sis sibling would 
destroy me. Mm-hmm. But like the clinicalness of it and like the defeatism of it is just so like hard for me to even kind of really grasp it. And like you also go along with with Katniss's despair and, you know, at times disbelief and like finding out more information and dealing with that. And like I can totally understand that despair really well. And that is really gripping for me. But the death itself I think I, I I was much more of a naturally inclined to be like, how are they going to get her out of this one? You know, like mm-hmm. to not believe it. Another one that was, I think, really good to have in there too was Sinna's. Mm. Yeah, the fact that you never know exactly what happened, you know, like you don't know how he died exactly when he died, but you know that he knew it was coming and he willingly signed up for it because it was more important to help create this revolution so that other kids wouldn't have to have this fate. And so, like, he died for the passion of a cause, Mm -hmm. and, like, he chose his own death. So many other characters don't. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't have that choice, but he did have that choice, and he took it, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, his was the other one I was thinking of, too. Mm -hmm. And also because... I think his is the first death that you, like, visibly witness through Katniss that's not a tribute. Mm-hmm. That shows you that the games aren't just the games. That this is much wider than that. That if you are just helping someone who is slightly rebellious, you know, mm-hmm. not in full-on revolt or anything, but someone who just stands up in some ways, you, are, you can be killed just to send a message to that person. And I think that that is... Yeah, that was a, a super intense moment for me, um, especially because Sin is also one of the best characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just so great. He's so well done in the movies, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about a missed opportunity? We talked a lot about what they've done well. Have we able to find anything they didn't do as well with death in The Hunger Games? Yeah, so my only missed opportunity is... <laughs> How is anything not just going to be incredibly sad and devastating? (laughs) My only missed opportunity is that there wasn't any suicide. Hmm. No one actively killed themselves. Cinda did this not to kill himself, but, you know, he knew that would be the result. Yeah. But nobody in the Hunger Games or nobody that you know of that was a victor. I mean, I could also very much see that. Like, Mm. yeah, they have an easier life. And, like, some of them, it's a very slow thing, like, through addiction and whatnot. And they know that it's going to kill them, but they just don't care. And, like, Katniss dealt with thoughts of wanting to kill herself, Mm. right? And, like, they took everything out of her room that she could use to kill herself. And, you know, she was planning to store up the different like pills or or just like not take not eat at all and and whatnot but in the end didn't but it is something that in that world i think that you would see yeah yeah i don't think it would be a very infrequent thing yeah i agree that would i think add a lot to it or even talking about you know mentioning that this had happened to some victors or or that they had to do further manipulation of Hamish or someone saying like I knew I couldn't end it myself because they would still hurt the people I love after I was gone mm-hmm. as a message to the other victors or something like that but yeah I agree that would that would be a really good addition yeah because like if I was had to go into the Hunger Games I probably would yeah just kill myself as soon as I got in there because mm-hmm. I don't want to kill anybody 
I don't particularly want to get murdered by others. So, yeah, or no. by random mutts or in the environment, whatever they have in store. Yeah, none of that sounds fun. No, not on the top of my list. No. So. But what is your missed opportunity? I think my missed opportunity is, again, it's not like a nice thing <laughs> to wish they had had, but like to examine what it would be like for Katniss to have to deal with needing to kill someone that she didn't actively despise or just be ambivalent about. I think that's the one thing that happens in the games that is kind of a little bit easy, narratively speaking, Mm -hmm. that all the characters that she has that kind of ambivalence for or even attachment to, she never actually kills them, you Mm -hmm. know, and never has to deal with that, how that affects you. and. I think that would be something that that could be very interesting. Like Thresh would be an interesting example of like Thresh is someone who she doesn't like like, but she still mm-hmm. feels she's owes something to and mm-hmm. has a connection to Rue who obviously she loved and yet he's killed by Kato, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's I think there's some interesting thoughts that she has of like how she might have to kill even Peta or other people, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just I I wonder what would happen and if it would add to the narrative to have her kill someone who she wasn't just an enemy or or Mm -hmm. to to and to to live with the the consequences of that yeah yeah it's interesting because she was prepared Mm -hmm. to kill many of them right like in the second hunger games she was prepared to kill finnick and johanna and totally probably almost any of them really Mm -hmm. i mean she was even agreed to kill Gale. Mm-hmm. But yeah, none of those actually panned out. Maybe they didn't want to break her that far. <laughs> yeah, which which totally makes sense, you know. Yeah. Um it is still a young adult yeah. not a, you know novel series, but Well, I mean, I think that's a big reason she didn't want any allies. Yeah. Like she was even right. so annoyed that Haymitch was trying to force them to in the, in the second Hunger Games because she's like I don't I don't want to be sitting here talking with people who I'm going to have to kill. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, that's another really good point. Well, what about a takeaway or lesson learned? <laughs> I'm just like, killing sad. <laughs> <laughs> you got another another hashtag there. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's just kind of simply the... Yeah, I think this series deals with death in the best way of any series that i've read before Mm -hmm. and probably been many series in the future i agree yeah it's actually interesting because so suzanne collins has another series that she wrote before and it's more like very very young Mm -hmm. (laughs) fiction it's like junior high age and because you it because it's younger you would expect, oh, there's not going to be so much death and whatnot on it. But there actually is some death in it. Um, hmm. And so it's something that I guess she as a writer doesn't like to shy away from, which I appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think my takeaway is that in some ways I see this series as being kind of secretly war novels, not 
novels about post-apocalyptic future, not novels about sci-fi or about young adult love or not all these kinds of things that they're kind of billed as, you know, or even just an action adventure style, rebellion kind of style. One, like, it's about war and what it's like to be a soldier and to deal with those things, be a victim and a soldier and to deal with death in, in both of those ways simultaneously, I think is is just very compelling. Yeah. Well, how about you uh, you help Find us transition us a to topic yes, for next exactly. Week. <laughs> <laughs> so next week we're going to be looking at Avatar Last Airbender and we're going to look through the lens of ability. Ah, this will I mean, be good. that's perfect. Yes, yeah. this will be great. Okay. Ability in Avatar. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. You can also go to our website, bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines, or go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. We also want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. And we'll see you next week. Till then, geek, geek out! out.